You are now tuned into the School of Higher Thought podcast, where we explore the realm of personal development. We aim to upgrade your life through lessons learned from your personal experience. Episodes are released every Sunday. For more updates and other empowering content, please follow our other social medias in the description below. I hope you've got your notepads ready. Class is in session. got the green tea there i recommend everybody start drinking green tea i just don't understand why you wouldn't drink green tea nonetheless economic hitmen <laughs> now oftentimes especially being in a somewhat position of socioeconomic superiority people in the west especially western countries will look down on third world countries even some of us from you know africa and even asia have been kind of brainwashed by media and the perception of those higher up individuals who i like to call the puppet masters of the world to look down as upon our own countries you know see our own countries as driven by greed self-interest you know lack of clarity of vision when it comes to where they want to take countries forward now why are economic hitmen so important <laughs> well economic hitmen are highly paid professionals who cheat countries around the globe mainly third world countries out of trillions of dollars yes trillions how does this work they funnel money from the World Bank, US Agency for International Development, and other foreign aid organizations into huge corporations and the pockets of wealthy families who control the planet's natural resources. Now, the quote-unquote 1%. They include fraudulent financial reports, rigged elections, payoffs, extortion, sex, and murder. They play a game as old as this empire, but one that has taken on a new terrifying dimension during the time of globalization. Now, The Economic Hitman is actually a book written by a man called John Perkins. Now, this isn't somebody writing on the perspective or on a conspiracy of what they think actually happened. This is someone who was the economic hitman. <laughs> He was really out there in the field doing everything that I'm about to tell you. Now, a couple quotes that I found interesting from the book myself. We decrease slavery, but our global empire enslaves more people than the Romans and all other colonial powers before us. It's a very, very interesting quote. I mean, just from my own personal knowledge, if you want to enslave people, you do that by the sword or by debt, which I guess could be equated to some sort of economic sword. <laughs> Another quote that I found very, very interesting from the book was the top 1% of third world households account for 70 to 90% of all private financial wealth and real estate ownership in their country. That is insane. A rewind that you might need to. Now, 
this isn't some sort of book summary. This is me. So this is more so me bringing something to your attention. So John Perkins, essentially the economic hitman, one of many, was hired by U.S. corporations. And the standard task of an economic hitman, the job description, was going into developing countries and assess their needs for engineering and infrastructure developments. Convince local leaders of these countries to accept massive loans, emphasis on the word convince, wink wink, from World Bank for their infrastructure development. And the most important was to ensure that those projects were contracted to U.S. corporations so that those countries will remain indebted to the U.S. and the U.S. will be able to control their resources, markets and economies. Now, (laughs) why is this important? Now, this episode is more so to kind of remove a veil, which is kind of over our eyes, the invisible, the invisible veil over our eyes that. The world is some sort of spontaneous, you know, thing that things randomly occur. Everything is planned to a T. There's a whole script that they're going off. Now, people think this is the Illuminati. People think this is the Masons. People think this is actually even the higher up, the Bilderberg group. Now, I'm not going to get too, as people would say, conspiratorial. I'm going to stick along the topic for tonight. And maybe, maybe one day we'll get into that. So... Perkins, normal guy, who, you know, essentially was an economist. Now, a couple of things happened. He landed this job of the economic hitman, as we're talking about right now. Now, his first project took him to Indonesia, which was rich in oil resources, as it is, as most, you know, Asian countries are. But it lagged in infrastructure. Now, Perkins was successful in making proposals for new power plants and distribution systems on a huge loan from the United States Agency for International Development and other international banks who will pay the American corporations to build those projects. So they're going to third world countries and getting their boys from back home to come and essentially work there. Very, very interesting. We're seeing the same thing with China as they did to Sri Lanka, but I digress. So during his studies in Indonesia, his chiefs in the corporation was called Maine.inc were constantly advising him to give a superior economic forecast of a solid 17% GDP increase. Now, your GDP is your gross domestic products. It's the total values of goods and services that a country produces. Now, if you're saying to someone that their GDP can rise by almost 20% by doing exactly what we're about to tell you to do, you're going to be a very hopeful individual. And the reason they gave these high forecasts is so they could pump huge loans without many questions. Whereas the person that worked as the economic hitman prior to John Perkins was a man called Howard Parker. Now, Howard Parker had actually told Indonesia that their projects would give a maximum of 7 to 9% growth and 17% is unrealistic. Now, John Perkins... The other individual there was like, nah, he doesn't know what he's talking about. 17 to 20% is the growth projection. Now, this got Perkins promoted to chief economist in his company. And apparently, the streets say Howard Parker was fired. Now, 
We'll go to Panama, 1972. He moved to Panama to make, John, this is, to make a multi-billion dollar investment proposals in the area of energy, transportation, and agricultural sectors. Now, the interesting thing is this. During his assignment, Perkins closely worked with Panama's president, Omar Torrijos. Omar was well aware of the US's plan. He knew exactly how the economic hitman worked, right? So he rejected the development plans of Perkins, if I remember correctly. And Omar actually wanted to regain full control of Panama's canals by themselves and expand its efficiency to accommodate bigger ships with the help of Japan, who was the primary client at the time of um, Panama's root canals. Those are the main people that used at the time. Now, he strongly believed that this would grow the economy of Panama, but also set back the fact that his idea would make you know main inc very angry at the time it was actually a company called betchel group inc which is a construction company which is closely connected to richard nixon gerald ford and george w bush and now panama is perceived as anti-american now, using this situation, Perkins made a particular deal that his company, Main Inc., would help Panama to be recognized as an independent country and to pacify the Betchel group, to essentially tell them to move away. Now, in return, Panama would get funding from the World Bank and the Inter-American Development Bank. How interesting. We then go to 1973. 1973, Saudi Arabia. When the United States started supporting Israel enormously with financial aids, as they love to give financial aids, all the oil-producing company countries, sorry, made oil the made the oil embargo against the U.S. Now the oil embargo was short-lived; it didn't really last long. It didn't really last long at all. The treatment of oil to the to the U.S. essentially made the price got raised in like enormous amounts now obviously wall street and the white house wanted to protect the u.s oil supplies by using saudi arabia as their trump card again it was our very brave individual john perkins it was him on the job to bring in those billions of dollars as the investment in saudi's infrastructure however his job was different this time he was not expected to drain Saudi Arabia with high loans that it could never even possibly imagine repaying, but to assure that a large portion of money made from petrol found their way back to the United States. Complete game changer. Complete game changer. Now, Saudi Arabia actually depended on the US dollar, whereas the US dollar can get stable. And now, due to, you know, this kind of funneling of money back to the u.s will become wealthier than ever now everything that i'm saying is all done by one guy john perkins so this isn't a conspiracy this isn't you know oh the school of high thought aboard and you know uh going into some illuminati conspiracies no this is economic warfare done by threatening the lives of country well mainly third world country leaders in order to obtain their resources now we move on anyways into iran i think it was 19 around 1918 iran 
John Perkins once again started going in there. Now, what did he do? The same thing again. Same thing again. They tried to send him to run, but he decided that he really wasn't going to do it. Essentially, what they had mapped out was to do the same thing to Saudi Arabia, to do oil, funnel the money of the oil with the companies, American companies, back into America. Now, John actually quit eventually. He was like, now nah, I'm tired of this. You know, this is getting to my conscience because what you need to remember is this. Few people swim in riches and the majority drown in poverty, pollution and violence. It's crazy. So anyways, John actually stopped in the 1980s, but he still spectated the game. Because think about it, if you're kind of responsible for large amount of world debt in which the leaders then have to make sacrifices from being able to support its citizens in order to repay these Western uh, super countries, that's going to do something to your conscience eventually. So in in the 80s, sometime in the 80s, he was actually paying attention to doing the same thing with Iraq. Now, the US wanted to play the same economic hitman game on Iraq as they did on Saudi Arabia and Iran. But... Saddam Hussein, some of you don't know, some of you may not know, Saddam Hussein did not buy into the economic hitman. He was like, no, I ain't having that. We're not doing that. Hence, the US did not want to wait any further and they took the war route. Now, Perkins actually said in his book that the war was a failure and the US had to take the economic hitman tool for a second time when they invaded Iraq again in 2003. Now, something that's very, very important. Imagine, imagine the position of the world leader. Now, imagine you're the president of a country and a con- another country's coming to you and saying, oh, take these, take these loans or else. You understand what I'm saying? Now, the first thought that may be going through some people's mind is, okay, if these guys were really out here, you know, trying to, threatening to assassinate people, then why isn't this widely reported? If this is your thought process, then you missed what I said at the start of the podcast. Remove the veil from your eyes that you think you know what you know. What I'm speaking on right now isn't fiction. It isn't a conspiracy. It isn't an idea. This is the documentations of the individual who did that himself. You understand what I'm saying? This isn't somebody who watched from the sidelines and is telling the game from a, you know, a secondary perspective. He was in the field. It was primary. Now, why is this important? The West, in this instance, the economic hitman was more so an American thing, but I wouldn't be surprised if the UK had their own economic hitman. Now, this is important because it is the West... Without sounding too political, it is the West that reinforce this poverty, pollution and violence among these third world countries by, you know, unspokenly forcing them to really take these loans or face the consequences of death. You understand what I'm saying? And these are the loans that can't be repaid. Now... It was very, very important to realize that when it comes to your perception on things that you haven't really experienced, your perception is probably molded. Molded by who? That is the question. 
if you look at a drink like orange juice and you ain't never tasted orange juice and you have the audacity to say orange juice is disgusting without tasting it speaking on something that you have no awareness over where did that idea come from where did it where did it where did it stem from now this is important like i said because you know to the individuals who may come from air quotes third world countries our perception on our own countries are very important because to some extent they reflect some sort of self-image you understand what i'm saying now if you view your home country as idiots because of the way they play their game economically then they may be a victim of an economic hitman which kind of should relieve some of the pressure the mental pressure that you're putting on them without even realizing now a lot of our leaders may be motivated by greed, self-interest, and self-motivation, I guess. And lack that kind of altruistic approach to be able to lead a country. And then there are others who are just victims of an economic hitman. Because realistically, like I said, the game is scripted. If I come to you and tell you to take this loan and or you're going to die and it's very high interest and you know there's no way you're going to pay it back and the potential ROI isn't even that good and I tell you to take it and you say no cool you'll get assassinated someone else will step up somebody else who's greedy someone else who's more self-motivated someone who's is defending their own personal interest they'll step up and they'll take it and that's how easy the game is the world is a global stage you kind of need to remove the veil that separates political figures and actors because they're not that different in essence obviously what they can do is completely different but in essence what is a theater everybody on the stage are actors <laughs> i'll leave that with you guys